0: Hello, everybody. You're listening to the Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 330 Ali vs. Fury. NFL. A lot of talking points. Eddie was hot on the off air chat. Very frustrated with the Packers who ended up pulling through. Eddie, you want to walk us through your emotional roller coaster of that game?
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just think, yeah, they put me through the ringer on that one. And just, I mean, multiple missed field goals from both teams, including, right, the, the Bengals field goal kicker thinking he'd won the game. I thought that was the most remarkable part. He had like yeah. six seconds where he genuinely thought he'd made it, which I don't totally understand. I don't know. I mean, the quality of kicking overall this weekend in the NFL was not good. I mean, tons I of missed it, extra.
0: I think it was 12 missed extra points this week.
1: And a lot, of them end, a lot of them ended up being meaningful. And then some of them looked like they would be meaningful. Like it looked like the missed extra point at the end of the Browns uh, Chargers game was going to be super important. And then it ended up not really mattering, but yeah, I mean, I had a big weekend debating whether or not I could kick a rugby ball and hit the inside of the roof, the ceiling of a stadium, indoor stadium we were in. Based on the performances of what I then attempted, I think I could have walked right onto a number of NFL teams and kicked some field goals and extra points.
0: Yeah, I I don't think you can hit the roof with a rugby kick.
1: <laughs> this isn't the, the this
0: confidence isn't... you have in like. Every aspect of your life just is astonishingly amazing. You can go from coaching the England national team to kicking a rugby ball over the mountaintops. Like no. you have no you have no limits. I love it. Your confidence should inspire generations of That's of people.
1: Well, Frank, that's why I would be a great manager of the England national team because I would instill that same level of confidence in them. So you've touched on one of my stronger points I would bring to the job. But hey guys, also, hey you-
2: guys, watch me kick this ball on the stadium room.
1: <laughs> but you
0: have Eddie, to factor why it. why should you have this job? Because I can literally do anything. <laughs> you name it, and I can achieve it. Yeah. Watch that's, me
1: that's, nail this QB sneak. <laughs> I mean that you know when I do apply for jobs, I just my C V just a blank page. And they asked me about it. I go, write whatever you want there. It'll happen. But <laughs> The you have to factor in this rugby stadium, indoor stadium we are in. It's not Cowboy Stadium, right? We're not talking about some gigantic kick. And this basically started with me sitting in the stadium with the people I was with and saying, "This, the roof of this stadium seems low enough that a player could accidentally hit it." Tactically, you wouldn't because you just the trajectory of the ball would be all wrong, and you would end up, you know, not going very far anyway. But it would seem... And that then led to the debate where, could I do it? Then I had to go and buy a rugby ball just to try to do it. Although we're at this point, we were outside the stadium. So we then had to do it next to the stadium to try and see kind of what wait, the a, um, apex of the kick was and how it was lining up with the the outside. Wait,
2: and, how, how did you do that measurement, though? Did someone just have like a, a giant tape measure? No, it was an eye was test.
1: Like... And all I'll say is this. As much as you... Yes, I had a lot of confidence that I could absolutely do it. Bought this rugby ball, no warm up, just just shot it off. And all I'll say is George, who both of you know, who is not someone who would ever defend my confidence or back it up, immediately was like, Yeah, he could do it. So But you didn't. But you, well, the, I wasn't in I wasn't inside the stadium. so the it was now impossible unless I was gonna land on it. <laughs> and I don't think I could have kicked onto the top of the stadium because that was an extra there's a sizable chunk after that, right? But I just the roof of the stadium itself, the ceiling, I should say. The other
0: great prerequisite that Eddie always gives when he says he can do these things is like, if you gave me two months of training, that's always the thing because you can't call him out on that because he's not going to quit his job.
1: To train <laughs> Cause I'm not going to do like, the a training random
0: event. I could go toe to toe with Mayweather. If you gave me four months of training and you supplemented 100%. my income and got Floyd Mayweather on board, I could do it.
1: <laughs> but you've touched on a really important point there, Frank, which is if you combined just complete optimism with a total lack of motivation, no one can ever prove you wrong. If you, so it's the sweet spot of making bold bar claims. The
2: motivational speaking of those kind of lines would be amazing. Could be three months, I'll unmotivate these people at a speaking conference.
1: No, you would just need me to only be England manager for three months. I just had to get them through the you know, through the tournament and then say, I've run my course. I will be exposed if I stay any longer. So, I, I bid you farewell. Thanks for the thanks for the the medal.
0: See, maybe that's the issue with the bar claim. I have I can beat anyone in a race because then it's really convenient to just go outside and race.
1: <laughs> so, so we were then. So, Racing Metro they have one of these. What is the controversial pitches? I think they're called 4G, which is confusing, right? But it's a kind of advanced astro-turf. level astroturf and a lot of players complain about it because they get really serious sort of burns when they get tackled and things including some players who had to have skin grafts because of how serious the injuries they get are from them but then the big benefit the big benefit is when the match finishes you get to go onto the pitch they just let you on and then they wheel like bars open up on the pitch itself and then there's a dj and and it's a lot of fun but what that then led to we were talking about the ceiling claim and then i said oh Frank would have Frank would be in his element here because you have marked out sprint. And I was then explaining <laughs> that you would beat you thought you could beat anyone outside a bar in Paris or a bar anywhere over a 40-yard dash.
0: I well, in fairness, it's not only did I think I had several you reasons have, to prove my merit.
1: <laughs> which I explained. Then two of the guys I was with decided to have a what was probably a fifteen-yard dash against each other first one the guy just fell over three steps in just face planted which was at this point you had to we're on the pitch and there's maybe i don't know 15 other 1500 other people there so just a lot of people just watched him eat it right on the pitch But, (laughs) but but yeah now it's uh you have some contestants waiting for you
2: wait frank when you did the ascot race didn't you almost eat it at one point which would have been harder on like gravel
0: no, maybe sure. Bacillus might have.
1: I think Ollie slipped. Because I think Ollie claimed and that the slip is the reason he lost. I'm pretty sure <laughs> that's the <laughs> which again, if you want to get in a sprint and you don't want to claim you were truly beaten, the slip is the good move.
2: I think I have he... the video of the victory still as well. Somewhere.
0: I can I can bring it out for the listeners to watch.
2: But Sam, I have you... it on
0: loop on one of those frames that you can put up on like on your wall that plays videos. You should just sell all it us as in an our NFT. Wait, all of, us, in our <laughs> Wait, all of us?
2: Why am I in my <laughs> underwear? I wasn't racing. I do not oh, know you just dropped your trousers,
0: Sam. I don't know why. I took my pants off to race. So you just dropped them for the fun of it.
1: Sam didn't even know the race was going on. He just stumbled back across. <laughs> like, his, what are you two guys doing here? With yeah. his pants down. He's like, oh, God, this is less awkward now. But uh, <laughs> but speaking of, you mentioned there, Sam, one of the participants in that race, Vasilis. And we, you know, the listeners have called for more Vasilis content. And I can deliver. I've spent quite a bit of time with Vasilis over the past 10 days or so and including a number of stories some of which i'm not sure can make it onto it and I, i'm gonna say now i am not sure that this story can make it onto the podcast i was sitting next to him yesterday in the bar watching the nfl games and he was just like furiously dming people on instagram i mean when he's not asleep or working 90 percent of his time is just dming women on instagram and at one moment he was obviously pleased with who he was talking to so he got took his phone and he said oh look at her and, he, and i was like yeah she's pretty and he's like she's so hot and then he said she when i when i turned 30 i bought myself her as like she's an escort i bought herself for me for as a birthday present so he had an hour with her as wait, his,
0: wait, 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 wait! he bought her himself uh, yeah. Sorry, but it was, bought it, is a really derogatory term. Y- yes, he paid, paid for to her to services, have her company for her company for, and services for one hour. He to be... himself for his own yes. birthday. Did he, yes. did
2: he use well, unless he used his birthday money? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true.
1: Did he add, did he do like that
0: <laughs> Facebook fundraiser, like for my birthday, <laughs> I, I, I would just like, want like you to donate an to me. Just it was escort. in
2: the it was it was in the uh, what's what's it called the uh, just giving pages you know yeah. next to someone who needed a bone marrow just transplant and
1: needing job. an escort. Yeah. So yeah, he two hundred euros an hour was the price, and then he said, "She's she's always DMing me still," and I was like, "Yeah, because she probably wants you to to pay for her services again." He was like, "No, no, 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 no. She loved it. She this now she wants to meet me non professionally." And I was like, ah, she doesn't mess. This is how they get you. She's going to convince you to go for a drink. And then at some moment, even if there she's not charging you, she's going to say, well, you know, if you, if I'm really enjoying this, but if you want to continue this, you got to pay me. He was like, no, no, man, you don't know. She loved it. She loved it. And then came, it's this, the quote I'm about to tell you was said non-ironically in any way, shape or form. He then says, Eddie, <laughs> you have to understand it was the best sex of my life. And I was like, okay. He's like, she was so good. It's like, she was a professional. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like oh, she is best. That's her job. And he was like, no, no man, you don't get it. It's like, she's a pro at it. <laughs> I was like, I kind of get what you're trying shortening,
2: to say. Shortening the word doesn't change the word. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Not professional, just a pro.
1: This following on from when he turned off at the bar, he told me in furlong he was like, Oh, I was so hungover this morning I had a headache. And when I'm really hungover, I get really horny. And when I turned up to work, I was just <laughs> looking at all the girls and they looked like sweeties. <laughs>
2: oh my god. The use of the word sweeties makes that even more creepy than it
0: would have been.
1: But that's the best part about him, right? It's this weird, the language a is bad, never quite that's right. That's a bad
0: Google Translate, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and
1: that's what makes it amusing. Otherwise, it would be flat out creepy, but he kind of saves himself, and it, it becomes oddly charming through the weird use of language.
0: Oh, Vasilis. Such a trouble such a, troubled child. such a player
2: he's such a player i mean I no, so when he when he, when he like that <laughs> being a player, no, no, no. Oh, i'm using something he would say when he <laughs> dms all these people are they just random people and he is has he got like templated messages to save time and
1: oh no 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 he is furiously typing and i don't know he's not like messaging random models or anything that's not his style but. It's a lot of people who he's maybe met once and then just keeps the contact going.
0: I mean, he's, he's planting as many seeds as he can. Well, I guess we can transition from the fact that you watch the NFL games with Vasilis to our reactions of the NFL. How, where would you like to start? I'll let one of you choose first. We can each choose one and, and, and discuss it
1: i think we should start with the game that might have the most significance come the end of the season which is the bills chiefs game yeah the big ticket item the question being or guys chiefs bills right was in buffalo the question no it was in. oh yeah it was in kansas no
2: it was a arrowhead yeah yeah
1: so the big question is are the chiefs in trouble
0: yeah i I mean trouble yes i thought you were gonna say do the chiefs make the playoffs I mean, that is a, you're now in a legitimate concern. That's, that, that's kind
1: of what I mean with the trouble.
0: Okay. I think they will fix things. The, the thing you have to step back and look at, there are three losses right now, are the Ravens, the Chargers, and the Bills. You're arguing that those are probably top five teams in the AFC. So at that point, it's not as if they're losing to people they should definitely be. If you want to be one of the best teams, you need to beat them. But it's not as if they're losing to the Raiders um, or the Broncos, teams like that. They lost to the top-level teams. Well, but you still need to win games to make the playoffs.
2: I mean, the, the Chiefs of last year, two years ago, three years ago, that was, this was never a problem. And it's now just become a big problem, especially considering the resurgence of other teams in their division, right? Like you can legitimately start talking about maybe the Chargers topping this division with the way the Chiefs are playing at the moment. I, I think I think there's a big problem because there's, there's too much on Mahomes at the moment. He's got nothing. There's no defense. There's nothing that's going to be able to support him. So he has to force an issue. He has to um, make these riskier plays and that isn't going to change, right? With the defense this season, like nothing's going to stop this. I think they've even got, you know, further injuries coming out of the game against Buffalo. So is it can't get better and it won't get better for like the next like seven, eight weeks, right?
1: I think Mahomes gets a little bit of a pass in all this sometimes that yes, the defense is bad, but maybe if, and I know Frank, you hate this kind of thought, but maybe if they did construct slightly longer drives at times and did have a game. Now, part of it, their run game statistically has not been bad this year, but it's just not good. It's one of those things where it doesn't pass an eye test, but actually, when you look at the raw numbers, sometimes it's okay because they have the odd, decent run and they can kind of do some gimmicky things and pick up some yards. And Mahomes will pick up yards sometimes, but. I think his play. I mean, he's thrown more interceptions now this year than he threw last year, or the same number. Yeah, well, I mean, so just in that
2: one game, right? Turned the ball over three times, two interceptions, the late snap fumble, which you know may, may have just been a, a kind of buckle point, but yeah, it was.
0: You're right. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm as big of a Mahomes fan as they get, and it's he is not playing to the level he can play. And a lot of that I think is him trying to overdo it. You know, I think he's realizing now that they just aren't as good maybe as they were last year, even though they should still be pretty good on offense. I mean, they lost Sammy Watkins and I guess they're having issues replacing him. They should have revamped this O-line, but he's making throws more difficult than they need to be. And he's missing because of it. You know, there's a few times last that last game last night that, he had a guy wide open, and instead of planting and throwing, he's trying to still, like, continue to run and throw or, like, throw off his back foot And instead of just, you know, putting the mechanics in. And it's cost them. It's definitely cost them. I'm not saying he's to blame for this, but he isn't playing up to the level he should be, and he's starting to cost them some drives. I don't say cost them games, but he's definitely costing them drives. The major issue is that that whole last game, um, the Bills put out a good enough defense to shut down their deep game, and they were forced to do the slow, methodical offense. And it seems as if they just don't want to do it. You know, like they got into a few rhythm, rhythm plays, and then even the announcers were like, "Oh, here come the Chiefs!" Now they've got their rhythm, and then they would just implode, and it'd be like three straight incomplete passes, punt. You know, they they don't want to play that long drive game they'd rather try and do that deep ball and they're still trying to go for it even when they're not given it. And that's going to be an issue. I mean, they need to learn to do long drives like the Browns and like the chargers do right now. They're just not.
1: Yeah. And then there's a larger topic there as part of it too, which is, is there a possibility that the chief's window is closing now? Having an elite quarterback means that you would expect that you have some element of a window for almost 20 years. But when you have, you know, Kelsey is starting to become an older tight end. So the ability for him to keep performing at the level that he was when they were at their best week in, week out, and his, you know, he's had injury problems at different moments in his career as well is limited. They have to do, they're going to have to do such an overhaul at their, at, on their defense for them to become a factor. Their O line, as you mentioned, needs continued work. And you just wonder. Is it one of those things, you know, two years ago, we thought how many, it was a question of how many Super Bowls will Mahomes win? Will he overtake Tom Brady? And then now you kind of look at it and think, well, the Bills might be very good for a while and the Chargers in their division might turn into a legitimate team. And then you have, you're always going to have a couple of decent NFC teams. And the window can close fast, in the same way that it felt like the window closed on Aaron Rodgers pretty fast. And then we've just accepted from now on that Aaron Rodgers is a kind of consistent MVP candidate. But the Packers aren't serious Super Bowl contenders.
2: I think there's a depth issue with the um,
1: the AFC as well coming into it, right?
2: Because, like you say, you, you bring up the charges, the, the bills you've even you you know bring the ravers ravens are always going to be consistent in it as well um you know the browns we've obviously spoken about pretty favorably as well so yeah it's a depth issue just within the kind of conference they're in let alone kind of the depth going through um the nfc as well i it, it it's sometimes a weird one talking about like a window but I, I kind of agree. I think it's kind of interesting to think of teams maybe just having these three, four, five-year slots save the Patriots, ultimately. Um,
1: but but yeah. even the Patriots, the Patriots basically had two windows. You know, it's easy to look back and think of the Patriots under, with, under Brady and Belichick of having been this, you know, nearly 20-year dynasty. But in reality, they had one dynasty and then they... Sort of faded away for a little bit of time and then they had that second period of being a dynasty again so that and that took rebuilding their entire team and with the core around brady being completely different it's just the fact that at the same time they managed to have the same head coach and the same quarterback that made it feel like there was consistency but in reality those were two completely different teams that were able to then put together you know a number of years of competing at the very highest level
0: yeah I mean, if you look at their next few games, they have Washington, Titans, Giants, Packers, Raiders, Cowboys are their next six. So I would say four out of six is very realistic, maybe even five out of six. So when you put it into the context there, there'll be about a five loss team with about what, five games left. That's not a great spot to be in in the AFC. I think uh, that that is a worry when Sam just said the AFC is very deep right now.
1: I mean like the the one seed is gone that we, they can, oh, there's home, no any
0: home field advantage is gone.
1: There's no it's way they'll have the one seed. You, it's barring a collapse from, I mean, I'm assuming the Ravens win tonight. So you're going to have the Ravens at four and one, the Chargers at four and one and the bills at four and one. I'm expecting the Bills to get the one seed if I kind of, in part, also helped by the fact that their division is not that strong. So they are getting easier wins than, say, the Chargers will get or the Ravens will get. But they're going to need a lot of help to, if they were even, if there were any hope of getting a bye, they would need a lot of help. And then, you know, there's a possibility here that they are a five seed. With a tricky opening weekend playoff game, you know, on the road to someone like the Chargers, hypothetically, or the Ravens, and all of a sudden you have a game that you wouldn't really want, and your path to the Super Bowl is suddenly the Ravens, and then the Bills, and then you know whoever else, and that's that's kind of a nightmare for them.
2: But I mean, just to look. I I've already said they've got problems, but just to put this on the other side as well, look, we're at week five. I remember last season, right, the Ravens had that mid season patch where they lost kind of like four or five as well. They still got obviously to the postseason, good win against the Titans, and then lost to the Bills. Look how good the Bills are now. You know, no one's kind of Is it is it a mass overreaction? Or, you know, Bill you know, let's say the Chiefs go on and win the next nine. They're good enough in a way. Like right?
1: I mean, it's not inconceivable that they could just run the table from here on out. It's not, it wouldn't blow my mind. The thing that would, the reason I don't think it's possible is their defense just isn't good enough. So I think any halfway decent team is going to score 35 points against them. And I mean, as good as you can be on offense when the pressure is, we better score 40 points or else we're probably going to lose this game. I mean, you have to be almost near perfect then on offense yourselves. And, and yeah. And I think they're in, put it this way. It's more likely to me that they make the, they miss the playoffs than they win the Super Bowl at this point for me.
2: I think they're not favorites anymore as well uh, for, which is, which is, you know, telling because the last three, four years, that's all we've seen. First time in two years. There you go. I haven't been favorite. Yeah. But, but yeah, going back onto the defense, like they registered 10 pressures and no sacks. Like Allen could do what he wanted yesterday. And and to be honest, he did. Um, there was zero pass rush. So I I think there's something far more terminal going on at the moment with the Chiefs. And it's really just a case of whether the offense can carry them. At the moment, though, it just looks like the better quality of QB they face, the more points they have to chase. I know that sounds really obvious, but it kind, kind of. of feels like that.
0: No, and I I think that's touching on what Eddie said too with Mahomes is I think Mahomes is going into these games realizing I need to score 35-plus points, and he's making throws that he probably wouldn't have made last year trying to force things and and trying to make points out of drives where he should just settle, kick the the, uh, punt it, and then get the ball back and try next drive where he's really trying to force some throws and force some things. Even just the way he's scrambling, it's a little more – just like off the walls than it used to be.
1: Also, right? I mean, their defense has never been good throughout this period, but it had a tendency to make big plays at big moments or be able to put together a solid quarter. And, you know, we can't can't forget the fact that they when they won the Super Bowl, they put themselves in a hole in every game in the playoffs. And what they were able to do was have a quarter or a, a, an entire half where their defense was able to turn up, get a couple of key turnovers have force three and outs and give the offense the chance to close the gap. And the problem I see here is I cannot envisage a situation. I mean, we are said going back in time, the Ravens were the team where if they were down double digits, then you think it's almost game over just because of the style of their offense. Now I would almost feel with the chiefs, if they're down 14 points, how are they going to get two stops, <laughs> you know, like even if the offense suddenly starts turning it on, I can't see how they get to st- like, stop a team from scoring on consecutive drives.
2: So I guess divisionally speaking, obviously, uh, do you think the Chargers are topping the division at the moment then?
1: I don't believe in the Chargers just yet. So this is mm-hmm. okay. – I well, and we can talk about the Chargers-Browns game, which was the game of the weekend, yeah. you know, not – not necessarily in terms of what on paper going into it, but certainly how it played out. And, you know, that game made me doubt the Chargers a little bit more. I'll give them credit for coming through and winning it, but they kind of did their best at times to throw it away in different ways. And just the propensity to give up big plays. I mean, the Browns became the first team in NFL history to have over 40 points and zero turnovers and lose the game. Damn it! And, you took
0: my useless stat, Eddie. Yeah. I was gonna impress you <laughs> with my
1: useless stat. Well, the stat gets you- even the stat gets even more useless when you then have the the alternative that uh, Elias Sports also shared, which is forty points, five hundred yards, and zero turnovers. Which is if you have one, if you see what I mean, like if you have forty points and zero turnovers, then you also you kind of lost in that scenario. And then, but anyway. Um, but but you
0: didn't you didn't give the blowaway fact, four hundred and forty two and O previously, they're the first team in four hundred and forty three times that's been done to lose. <laughs> that is crazy,
1: and that was a crazy game. I mean, it just was a con- fun game. It was a fun game, and there's going to be on both sides. I think defensively, I mean the the one touchdown when I, the Browns just all went to sleep. And he just had a a receiver open by 30 yards. I mean, in a sense, almost similar to what we saw the week before in that Niners game, but kind of worse, because this time he was just in the middle of the field, downfield, just completely alone. But it was a really fun game. It made me, and I know this plays into a certain bias, perhaps, it made me more confident in the Browns because everyone doubted hey the browns defense is really good but the offense isn't good enough to go toe to toe with some of these teams and to me they kind of answered that question even though they lost
0: see i think that's just you being a hater on the chargers because how can you say they don't have a good offense they have a better quarterback d- than the browns they have a better receiving well, corps than the browns
1: i'm not <laughs> saying that they don't have a good offense i'm saying that i don't know if their offense is quite yet as a unit to the level where I'm guaranteeing that they will turn up and score you know, 35-plus points against good teams. And at the same time, I even if I walk into it thinking they'll score 28, which isn't a bad performance, I then don't trust their defense enough to necessarily perform against an elite offense. So that's kind of where I, mean, I feel. And they, they might prove see, me wrong.
0: I, see, I I, I disagree because I think their defense is actually held up pretty well. Their only losses is to Dallas, Whoa. and they held Dallas to 20 points, which is they score over 30 easily a game. They held Kansas City to 24. The Bills just held Kansas City to 20, and we said the Bills' defense was phenomenal for it. They held Vegas to 14. Oh, That's a pretty decent offense.
1: <laughs> you can't put words into my mouth.
0: <laughs> I mean, but, I think uh, their defense is pretty good. But, but their rush defense isn't.
2: I mean, uh, yeah. aside from the Vegas game where they held them to about 50 – I think they're averaging about 180 yards a game, maybe like 29th in the league. I mean, that's that's pretty exposing. But the only End two look, teams it's, that
0: it's, can run the ball are the Browns and the Ravens. <laughs> so as long as they don't meet them in the playoffs, they should be Which okay. they probably they're definitely going to meet one of them.
1: So that's <laughs> well, probably a the problem. they already beat the Browns, so. <laughs> but look, I think and and this is all the other thing. It's so early in the season that all these statistics are so easily skewed. And for example, yes, if you play the Browns who have, you know, one of the best run games in the league, then your statistics can be look different than if you'd played sort of an average of the league. And I don't know, they might prove me wrong. I just think there's, there's always those teams where you just, there's something in the back of your head that doesn't quite trust them yet. And, that's where the chargers are for me and maybe well, they maybe they will prove me wrong over the course of the next 12 matches 12 games well, and playoffs i see they got next week <laughs> you
2: just mentioned them they got lamar jackson's ravens so that'll be a uh, test for them
1: right yeah I, and look i don't think the ravens are amazing so it wouldn't stun me if the chargers beat the ravens i i think the ravens are on the bottom, on the, towards the T, the bottom end of the a good tier, but.
0: And the Browns have the cards. So that's another good test there too.
1: Yes. I'm, I mean, I I, frank. I,
0: I, I do feel for the Browns in that they have a very difficult schedule thus far. I mean, their losses are to the chiefs in a game that was super close. Chargers in a game that was super close, and now next week they have to play the only undefeated team left in the NFL. I mean, that's a pretty tough schedule in six games to play three top caliber teams like that,
1: yeah. And I guess, in with bringing the Cardinals up, we can transition to the Cardinals Niners game, which was by no means a thriller. Uh, and again, the Cardinals are a team I don't totally trust, and we spoke about the big risk with the Cardinals is the durability of murray and it seemed as if he got a little banged up over the course of that game with the niners and i just don't see with the way they play against defenses that go after him i don't see how he lasts the entire season in a, in a deep playoff run it's just not it's not possible
0: now I, I agree with you i always have my doubts about the cardinals and whether they're legitimate i mean they're 5-0 and but are they legitimately a 5-0 and team the only difference I'll say this year so far from last year is that game against the Niners is a hundred percent game they lose last year. They get into that battle, that's that's a loss last year. They were able to hold on and win, which is, I think, them bumping in the right direction. I still I am yeah. with you. I still don't agree that they are the best team in the NFL, but they are improving in the sense that. Last year, they come across that, that game like the Niners game where they just don't seem to click, and they lose. And this year, they were able to hold on.
1: Probably. And this I'm not going to say what I'm about to say just because I'm a Niners fan. They definitely also played the Niners at the perfect time, which is without Garoppolo, so they have to switch to the new approach with Trey Lance. And then also with Trey Lance not having enough starts and appearances under his belt to feel comfortable in, an, in the Niners and NFL offense. I think if they if the Cardinals turned up and played exactly the same way they played yesterday, two months from now, the Niners win that game. But yeah, I, I agree with you. It was an ugly win, and you know it's something people always say about in the Premier League. You know, good teams have that ability to to win when they play badly, and that definitely was that case for the Cardinals yesterday. They did. Almost everything they could have done to give that game away, or at least allow the Niners to stay in it. That being said, Trey Lance did them a huge favor on that fourth and goal in, in not getting the touchdown and allowing them to stay and you know not allowing them to kind of level things up. But
0: good tackle by Isaiah Simmons too. He went like yeah. super low. Normally, yeah. I think the Trey Lance would just go through someone who tried to stand up and tackle him, but Probably. Simmons basically like went to the ground. <laughs> that was a pretty good tackle. So here's my question to you, Eddie. The Niners have the bye next week and then the Colts. Now, with the bye, it's indicated that Garoppolo should be back or able to return against the Colts. One, is Garoppolo the starter against the Colts? And two, had there been one more game before that buy and Lance had to start again, would Lance be the starter from here on out? And would you not go back to Garoppolo?
1: It's tough because the other argument you could have is you've got this buy, which gives you even long. I know that the players will have a bit of time off. but it does give you more time to prepare for that game, to allow Trey Lance to prepare for the game, to get more reps. And so, I think this is when you have to make the decision fundamentally. Are we? If if Garoppolo comes back for the Colts game, then he's going to see out the rest of the season because it's it's also kind of a knock on Trey Lance to say, "Hey, no, you're not quite ready yet," and we're also not going to be able to give you the same number of reps because now Jimmy Garoppolo has to take them. And so, but we might trust you in Week Ten. <laughs> like, there's no. My gut feeling says they'll stick with him. And that See, Jay Lance I, I, will start that Col- Colts game.
0: I think they're going to go back to Garoppolo. And I think Lance is just getting screwed with where this buy is because he didn't play terrible. He didn't play great. It, by no means did he play a game that you say, he's got to be your starter. He played the game that makes it difficult for you to decide who the starter is. But if you had one more week after this and he played a little better than what he played. I think then you go into saying, well, look, he played two games, he's still progressing, and he's probably equal to what we can get with Garoppolo. So if we continue to think he's going to progress, he's our definite starter. But because it's only that one game to go off of, if you're Garoppolo or Garoppolo's camp, you say like, hey, listen, he didn't play phenomenal and they lost. It's only been one game. Like, let's give jimmy g his his job back it's it's a really tough spot i think for everyone involved
1: yeah no for sure and and i think i agree with you that if you didn't have that buy and then that probably guarantees that he has to start the next game then it gives him another opportunity to prove himself the interesting thing too is i mean they've not got because it's such a tough division so yeah they've got the colts then they got the bears which is on paper an easier game even if the bears won yesterday and then it's right back into the cardinals and the rams which are almost must win games with the situation they now find themselves in so i don't know nfl coaches and nfl teams right are just traditionally conservative in their decision making because if you bring jimmy garoppolo back you probably don't get into trouble no one's going to be too critical of you whereas if you stick with Trey Lance and you have Jimmy Garoppolo supposedly healthy sitting on the sidelines and Trey Lance puts up a terrible performance in one of the next two or three games, then people are going to rip into Shanahan, particularly if it happens to coincide with any of the other, you know, say with Mac at the Patriots looking, Trustworthy at this point. I don't think he's spectacular so far, but he's looking like someone who can manage a game and get you through. You get a little bit more pressure than being thrown on for having traded up and then perhaps missing on someone who could have done the job that you're asking a more raw talent to try and do.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you one coach who isn't afraid of uh, risking it is Staley, the head coach of the Chargers. Man, I wish Joe Judge had ten percent of the confidence that Coach had. Fourth and nine, fourth and seven on their own twenty. You don't give a shit. You know what? When you have a quarterback like Justin Herbert, you can trust anything. But I mean, seriously, in, in all seriousness, it's it's refreshing to see someone who is willing to to kind of play the analytics enough and have trust in his team and his play calling versus someone who just refuses to change the times
1: if he's consistent in that approach good for him i think it's exciting and i think it's worth it a lot of the times i'm gonna say not good for him if he's willing to do that in week five against the browns but if he wouldn't do it in the super bowl in the second quarter and that's where we'll we'll see this year (laughs) but that's where we're going to see the test is is this an easy thing to do in a game where you think we don't have to win this, this can go wrong and it's fine. Versus are you willing to do, like the Bill Belichick, the big moment against the Colts of going for it on fourth down. Are you willing to do it in a moment where people will remember this forever? Like this, will, this, this has the possibility of being the play that someone goes, hey, remember that guy Staley who coached the Chargers a few years ago? And you're like, oh, yeah, that moron who went for it on fourth and eight when he could have just punted and his defense might have kept him in the game. Like, yeah, yeah, that guy. Whatever happened to him? I don't know. He probably coaches high school now. Like, there is every chance that that conversation happens. But he, if, he, if he continues to have the balls to go for it, great. I And I agree with you because, look, I always think that NFL coaches should coach through – what does the other team not want them to do as a better way of making your decisions? And I know watching that Browns game, whenever the chargers were going for, it it was like, Oh crap, they're going to get it now. And that, and that's not good. Like that's going to be a backbreaker for the Browns because they're going to feel like they should have had them off the field. And instead they're going to pick this up. I know they're going to pick it up. And I think that that's the thing you need to do to have that test of. But yeah, aside from that, it was a exciting Sunday of NFL games. Not all the best played, necessarily. The Vikings managed to nearly throw a game away. Wow! But I mean, that game—I have to admit—I wasn't even watching it. It wasn't on the, the games I'd asked to have on in the bar. It wasn't one of. Once it became clear the Vikings were on top, it was just kind of like. That game's done. We can move on. You don't have red zone at the bar. Uh, it was on a screen, but I was kind of in a situation where there were a couple of games I really wanted to watch, so had it so that I could see those games specifically, and had those as the focus. So had like, I mean, had four games that I was watching simultaneously, which I then sort of did the calculation that I wasn't that desperate to see the Vikings handle it against the Lions on red zone. As it turned out I was wrong, because it was one of those that did suddenly just realize I was looking at my phone and suddenly realized like, oh, the Vikings are in trouble here. But
0: it's crazy.
1: And feels watching that
0: unfold was crazy.
1: Feel sorry for the Lions to have lost two lost two games to you know fifty-five yard plus field goals as time expires.
0: Now here was the question I had for you, for both of you, is in that game so obviously the vikings are gonna win fumble the ball with what was that under two minutes left lions get it score the touchdown and decide to go for two to go up one instead of kicking the extra point to tie and to take it to overtime now again going through analytics this one is a little trickier but Most would say when you're the worst team, it's better to go up and not to take it into overtime because chances are, in a full quarter, with you know, now it's not a sudden death, you're going to lose because you're the worst team. The issue there is that he went for two and made it to go up one, but the Vikings still had 33 seconds and two timeouts left. Did that decision cost them the game? Because now, as the Vikings, you need to drive and score versus if they kick the field goal, the Vikings clearly just kneel on it and take it to overtime. And then you have that 50, 50 shot in overtime. Whereas now you force the Vikings hand with 35 seconds and two timeouts left and only needing to go now in today's NFL, 35 yards, 40
1: yards. I get where you're coming from. I think you always try and take the lead. And I, I, Particularly if you're a team that's not good, for the reason that you said, that you feel as if the Vikings will have that advantage in overtime just through being better. Also, I mean, they were moving the ball pretty effectively over the course of the game, even if they weren't scoring points. And, I mean, that argument goes both ways, that then you're giving them the chance of moving into field goal range. But... I don't know. I think you you just go for it and you think this season's a write-off anyway. We're not making the playoffs. Let's not bother wasting our time with overtime and let's be a little bit fresher for next week. So let's go for it, try and reduce this game to a single play where we're in control of what happens versus a series of plays where we might not even get the ball in overtime. I mean, you lose the coin toss. Vikings just drive down. I don't know. I feel like, I mean, we kind of had this discussion a couple weeks ago, right? Where I, where you, you kind of said not that many teams now. They had two timeouts, but not many teams get in field goal range with thirty or go scored, go down and score a touchdown with thirty three seconds. A touchdown, after. yeah, it's a
0: big difference. <laughs> it is,
1: but it's still the same mentality, right? Of it's also a big vote of confidence to your defense, even if they then let you down. But it is a statement of saying, look, we trust you to get a four and out here. But I don't know. I'm going to guess the Vikings kick the field goal either way. If you see what I mean. I think what happened at the end of the game would have happened.
0: Sam, how did you feel about your Bengals performance? And
2: I actually was pretty confident. I actually liked it. I, I thought it was a good performance. I thought actually they were pretty, they battled pretty well in the secondary and it was quite nice to see. Like um they're like all over the Packers as, as soon as they received it. Um, It's obviously a shame now that Burroughs has got, what is it? Two Bengals players have now got a throat, um, what do you call a Contor- Contortion? contusion i don't i kind of think of the, contusion
1: oh yeah of course you don't know the word sam
2: <laughs>
0: sam what are you doing to those players
1: do you have any advice yeah do you have any advice for them <laughs> over the course of treatment how they can
0: just relax the jaw
2: that will help but um
1: that it was a crazy recovery game, but
2: i i don't know what i would do <laughs> I <know> what recovery <laughs> But I think it was a good test for both of them, actually, because I think when you look at the Packers, there's a little bit of indifference about them at the moment. So I guess it was good for them to like stack another pretty decent performance on top. But I think for the Bengals, it's it's kind of it's given me a lot of confidence that there's actually a pretty solid unit here. Um, but the things at the start of the season, uh, when we were talking about you know whether they draft Jamar Chase or whether they go to tighten up their line. That's the problem right now. So Burroughs has got Jamar Chase to throw to, and is clearly becoming the number one wide receiver. But simultaneously, he got, the Packers got to Burroughs so easily. And all it's going to do is just keep maintaining any injuries, these impacts that lead to these injuries. So they're kind of, they're kind of seeing the problem of whoever they drafted in a way. They wouldn't be getting those big plays with Jamar Chase if they didn't draft him, but Burroughs might be getting more protection and kind of vice versa with the way they actually went for it. But yeah, crazy game, right? What was it? Five field goals missed in a row. Mason Crosby, by the end of it, looked like
0: he was going to like top himself. (laughs) Like it was pretty bad. His hair wasn't gray when he started that game.
1: (laughs) I mean, also his pit misses in particular, right? Were just bad misses. Like, I, I can't remember the name of the Bengals Raheem. Is that McPherson?
0: McPherson? Yeah I, think, yeah. I feel bad for him. I do feel bad for him. Not only did he think I he made it. that one, the other one, he destroyed that upright. Yeah. <laughs> like and that was, it was loud.
1: <laughs> but but that was a 56-yard kick, right? I think, yeah. uh, that first one. So, I'm, I'm not going to... A kicker missing a 56-yarder, yes, we see the made, but he, the difference was Crosby was missing kicks where... 33 he should have just just been nailing them. extra point yeah extra point a
2: 39 maybe
1: and he is one of those kickers 44 he is one of those kickers who i know has had um you know pretty good career i've never trusted him he always feels like he has a bad miss in him he's not one of those there's some kickers you see lineups for the game-winning field goal and you think yeah this is this is over Whereas if I need him to miss, or if I need him to make it, I would always feel like, well, this isn't a guarantee. And yeah, I mean, I feel like both of those teams walk out of it feeling a little bit worse about themselves.
0: Yeah, what a way to crash and burn? You make 27 field goals in a row, and then if you're going to miss, then you just miss, miss, miss. <laughs> <Just> keep missing, <laughs> miss, 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 miss.
2: Yeah, I felt sorry for McPherson with the one that hit the flag. Because you can imagine like the animation on the ball makes you think it's hit the back netting because it slows and then just falls. And so you kind of think to yourself, like, it looks similar.
1: But obviously a shame to guess, see him like jump by and start celebrating. I guess. I don't know. You'd also just know off your foot, right, as to, oh, I don't know about this one. And then, if I had that feeling off of my foot, I mean, I could say this as an experienced ceiling kicker. If I, I then, I then have the doubt of I might want to make sure I see this one through to its conclusion before I run off and celebrate. <laughs> Is that your new ceiling kicker? <laughs> I,
0: I kind of, I'm surprised they were still kicking field goals. So that last one that McPherson missed, they were 4th and 1, and that was a 50-yard field goal. At that point, do you start thinking, you know, like, 4th and 1 versus the guy who just missed the game winner?
1: Yeah, but I guess if you turn around to him, he would have said, I kind of nailed that 56-yarder, and if I repeat exactly that from 50 yards, we're good. And I think in particular with a rookie kicker, you might – and kickers do seem like quite sensitive overall right the confidence factor is a big part of whether or not they can go out and do it you might have been giving him a really bad message of no cuz i mean also then what happens if okay you pick up the first down but then you stall there you get a sack you kind of nothing and then it's like well now we're fourth and 9 <laughs> we're 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 2 yards closer but now i have complete faith in you you know like it's not okay.
0: but also the packers that was a fourth and one as well
1: the packers i was more surprised by because also oh, his miss- his misses had been so bad i was surprised that they decided to do that i kind of would have got to the point i mean i sent you the joking text message i don't know where they where they have to be negative 10 yards before they trust him but yeah i i don't i don't I guess you just have to buy into the idea that they got the miss out of them and otherwise you yeah. were going to cut him. The, <laughs> was... well,
0: I, I think also lost in all of the missed field goals was the start of the overtime when the Bengals got the ball and Joe Burrow promptly threw one of the worst interceptions I've ever seen it, in my life. It, it was borderline. <laughs> it was, was It was borderline.
2: Horrible. It was borderline deliberate.
0: It was borderline. Does he have the Packers to win an OT like like a special bet? <laughs> yeah. Not only did he have the Packers yeah. to win, he had him to win in the first in, in the second drive in OT. Very specific.
1: I do agree with you, though. He got bailed out on that one because of the miss. So that yeah. would have been it,
0: it. Gets completely lost.
1: It would have been a big storyline of Burroughs blows it in overtime. Yeah, and he and played then, a
0: good game up until that. Had that been the loss that completely turns that game, because now you get out of that, like, oh, Burrow stood toe-to-toe with Aaron Rodgers. Like, that That was a great performance. Has he thrown that? It's Burrow looks good against Rodgers, but isn't clutch like Rodgers. Well,
2: I think he, he stood toe-to-toe with him for, like, the fourth quarter, especially when they were, like, attacker in these field goal miss.
1: But no, you can't say this steals. because the Packers kept missing field goals. So it's like it's good to say, I could go toe-to-toe with Aaron Rodgers if his kicker just kept missing. Oh, just give and me I'm four like, months. <laughs> no, I could do it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> but this is this is the other thing, is it's it's easy to say, oh, he went toe-to-toe. It's like, yeah, when when the other guy's team was letting him down in what they wanted to do. You know, there's he was being massively helped in going toe to toe. Now I'll give him the break. He ha- he was suffering from a deep throat injury and I have no idea how well I could, could I go to toe to toe with Aaron Rodgers when I, you know, like my- the back of my throat was constantly tickling. I don't know, but.
2: I mean, my, my con- continuation of the point was going to be that he did still throw two like interceptions on top of that one as well, but it was a pretty decent performance considering um, the offensive line was so poor. Uh, I think what, I think it was three sacks and eight hits on Burroughs. So of course he's going to be pretty banged up, but um was that destroyed on that was, run,
0: was, how he didn't have, a concussion I, on that there was unbelievable
2: because there's two, what was it? Two or three QB sneaks that the Bengals went for. I can't remember, but um, yeah, I was looking at the Bengals but, schedule actually. And there's a, I think there's an outside shot of them having a winning season. There's an outside, outside shot, which I think will be pretty incredible, actually. So, look at uh, so basically up up <laughs> next. Incredible, a
0: little bit overstatement.
2: What do you not think from a team that previous two
0: seasons? If the won Lions three. have a winning record at the end of the season, that's incredible. No, <laughs> okay,
2: compared to compared to the Bengals start team. of the season, compared to like our predictions at the start, that's all. I, I looked at it, and they've got a really tough kind of end end of it basically like seven or eight games but the ones coming up like you've got the lions ravens will be tough but the jets then you've got the browns raiders pittsburgh I, there's wins there for them uh the rest of it's pretty tough, i mean you
0: but- could, you could argue that they're slowly becoming the browns you know they've got now their franchise quarterback they're bringing in good re- receivers surrounding him with good players you know you could foresee in two or three years that you know they could be the browns just have to like solidify the defense a little bit, but well, they need to I, mean, stop I think they're, they're, tr- they're definitely trending in the right direction.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's possible. I don't know if many NFL teams would say they're the future Browns. I don't think if many people would take that as a massive compliment. but. Um,
0: Any other takeaways from the NFL?
1: I don't think so. I mean, there were are, are other games, but I think those were the, the kind of major talking points.
0: I wanted to contact the, uh, what is it, the Elias Sports Bureau or whatever, the people who come, like, come up with the crazy stats to see if there's ever been an NFL team that's lost their starting quarterback, their starting running back, and their number one wide receiver in the same game like the Giants did. That was injuries of an epic, even 49ers level proportion.
1: Well, you know, you can't start using injuries as an excuse, Frank. So, you know. Well,
0: to be honest, they weren't winning that game anyway. They were keeping it close. I mean, they were within one score at halftime and were were battling. I'll give them that. But as soon as Barkley Jones and Galladay are gone, I mean, you're looking at Mike Glennon handing the ball off to a guy who was bagging groceries last week. So it's not looking good.
1: <laughs> the Daniel Jones concussion. That was, wow. it's it's not good to laugh, right? Cause we know how serious no. these head injuries can be, but that was, that was a rough look. That was, yeah. I mean, you know, it's bad too. When the Cowboys players around were sort of instantly a going to catch him the one moment when it looked like he was just going to completely collapse. Well, he
0: he did. They they cut it off because oh, okay. he collapsed.
1: And they missed they, they the play. They don't show
0: though. it. They don't they imi- show it because he he collapsed. They, and then they and the next missed- thing you see is he's two players are literally holding him on each side, like he's like the NSYNC character from the from the <laughs> album cover.
1: <laughs> oh dear. But yeah, now it's, yeah. Hey, there was my Safira pick, so made it through to another week. At
0: this point, is Saquon Barkley done?
1: This I mean, I. It
0: looks like a serious ankle injury again.
1: I mean, Frank, I've been telling you he's been done for three years, but uh, it would take a lot for him to come back. You'd think if he's going to miss, say, the remainder of the season, and okay. even if even if he's in a position to come back you'd think you get to the moment their giants are going to be bad. So then they shut him down. Right. Cause if there's three games left in the season and he has a history of injuries, why bring him back out? So you're saying probably goodbye to another season. I right? mean, his career is going to fly by with three starts a year.
0: Yeah. It's, it's unlucky. I mean, these aren't, you know, the pulled hamstring like injuries. It's, you know, A terrible high ankle sprain required surgery, torn ACL, MCL, LCL required surgery, and now it looked like a broken ankle. I mean, that thing, did you see the the picture of his ankle? It looked like someone stuffed a softball into his ankle. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you can't look at that and think, ah, give it ice, some ibuprofen, three days of rest, and he'll be back out there. I don't, I don't see that happening. It's, it's really unfortunate. Like at a point you feel really bad because he definitely seems like the type of person who will continue to try and come back. And at a point, you know, is it worth it?
1: Now we've, uh, I guess speaking about knockouts, you know, Daniel Jones got the old wobbly legs going on in that game against the Cowboys had multiple wobbly legs in the, the big fight of the weekend, the, the wilder fury third, rematch i don't trilogy fight i guess is what they were calling it really really good fight i think it's just exciting to see a fight where with heavyweights where they both go down multiple times because you do kind of get used to the heavyweights having being in situations where if they go down it's probably over or at least it will be over fairly soon and in particular right you had fury going down twice in the same round which you would definitely never think it's it's done and dusted at that point fury continues to grow on me as a person that being said queen (laughs) queen (laughs) (laughs) ah see maybe that's what you should do you should embrace his now i had this i said i had this debate i said to told this to sam pre-podcast i had this debate with uh, someone earlier about whether or not it was appropriate to use the term gypsy in reference to wilder. I mean, in that's
0: crazy. I was going to ask you if you think it's appropriate, <laughs> that was going to be one of my
1: questions. It's tough because I mean, salmon. whenever I've met British gypsies, they have always called themselves gypsies. And I think they would see a very big distinction because they have a, a very strong culture of their own which you see for example in peaky binders right which touches on a lot of the sort of british and irish gypsy culture they would think if you called them what romany they would think of that as being a very different version of gypsies a kind of ethnically different and very culturally different group of people and so i think for that reason Calling what Fury is a gypsy is fine, but I, I'm not exactly the most well informed when it comes to this topic. But I I would think it's okay.
2: I think it's the manner, right? In in the fact that he calls himself the Gypsy King. So if you call him the Gypsy King and just have it said kind of neutrally like that, whereas if you start using like if you start using the word gypsy with a lot of kind of passion or bad words around it or the intention of saying it, yeah, it can be offensive. But just in the kind of isolation of
0: his nickname that he has given himself, I, I, I don't see a problem with it. I mean, I guess it's always best to to see and understand what people who identify themselves with that category feel. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I haven't heard much outrage from... I the think community that that he's calling himself the Gypsy King.
1: No, I think uh, I've only I've only had one moment of really ever interacting with a British Gypsy, which is my grandparents had a like a house cleaner who was a Gypsy and like full on lived in a caravan, traveled around at different moments and times would sort of be there for a bit and then travel off in the caravan with a horse. She called herself a Gypsy. So I think within that community, whether they, I think obviously sometimes the more politically correct term would be calling themselves travelers, but they definitely use the term gypsy. And again, I think when Americans hear the term gypsy, they think of what you are picturing is very different from what they are, which if people aren't familiar, but you have seen Peaky Blinders, what they are referring to is the people you see in Peaky Blinders in the caravans with the horses moving around of to places with their sort of weird rituals, almost all of Irish descent. I think that's the kind of key aspect to it to a degree.
0: So I guess getting back to the fight, I, I thought it was I agree. I, I just think it's one, it's refreshing to see real boxing as opposed to the majority of boxing that we've seen right recently with the Paul brothers and things like that. And two, it's just amazing to see how willing these guys how willing they are to just continue and keep going and just not give in i mean any one of the times they were knocked down you could say okay that's it man you just got like you were just knocked hard to the ground and then they don't they don't want to give up that's what's amazing about it is is the the determination of for both of them you know it was it's impressive
1: to watch yeah and I kind of, be, in the build-up to the fight, I'd, I'd been watching some of Fury's interviews, both new and old. Uh, he, and, and as part of it, he told the story about the first time he met, met Klitschko. And he knew that at some moment in the, in the future, he was going to have to fight the Klitschkos. And that they had this tradition of going to, I think he was in Austria for his training camp, and that uh, Vladimir Klitschko would sit in the sauna and it's like old fashioned style sauna that got to incredible temperatures. And he would sit in it and he would outlast everyone. But this was part of the mind games that he would play is he would just sit there and he wasn't going to leave until you did. And so Fury said he knew he went into it knowing he had to last longer that he was going to mentally beat Klitschko before he ever fought him. And, he said he sat there and it was so hot and everyone else left and then it was just him and Klitschko sitting in it. And then Klitschko got up and there was a 20-minute timer, like an egg timer, and Klitschko got up and just flipped it back over and sat back down. And Fury said he was con- he was certain he was going to pass out and that he then got into the mode of just counting minutes out in six groups of 10 seconds was the only way mentally he could try and do it. And it's just an interesting insight to someone who obviously does have that kind of never say die attitude and is trying to find the way. And eventually Klitschko left. And then he said the worst part about it was he realized he couldn't just walk out right after because then that was going to show he only stayed to beat Klitschko. So then he had to stay for a few more minutes and then said, as soon as he did that, he knew he he was already had won the fight whenever they were going to fight each other. But The interesting thing too is they all—they both looked very dazed every time they went down. They had the look of people who had been, yeah, for sure, semi knocked out. Yeah, and so it is interesting. uh, Should it be allowed to continue? Because when you have them see and you kind of like see there's that look in their eyes where they kind of figure out where they are again for a second, and then get up and take the count. But
2: do you think, um, like you don't see as much anymore having like the kind of three fights? Mostly, you see like say like uh, Joshua losing the other day, you get the rematch, right? It, it's weird to see these kind of trilogy bouts or more than that as well. Do you think the familiarity made it a like a really, really great bout?
1: I think it did in the sense that it, the hatred between them grew. And then on top of it, it meant that even people who don't follow boxing closely They've got name recognition going into it of these two are fighting each other and they don't like each other. And here's the replay of their fights. They kind of got forced into it, right? Because Fury felt like he was robbed first time around and that sort of really forced the rematch. And then the second, what what this essentially is a second rematch was in a sense a rematch of what they felt like was the correct decision from the Fury win in the second fight it's also just a lack of depth in the heavyweight division and the fact that Joshua didn't step in and fight fury in the time that he could have done. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, this is the other discussion which I had that led to the gypsy discussion, which is, you know, is fury the greatest heavyweight boxer of all time? And to a certain extent, Because he's so big and because his movement is so good, it is hard to imagine any boxer from the past beating him. I mean, Muhammad Ali was six foot two. Tyson Fury is six foot nine. It is very difficult to imagine Muhammad Ali getting into a ring with Tyson Fury and it being close. That's not far off being able to kind of punch downwards on someone. (laughs) Well, no, he would punch. I mean, he, yeah, he would be punching down on him pretty much. And also, Ali would have to be punching really far up. The thing that doesn't help Fury in that argument, right, is he just doesn't look like a physical specimen. You know, like when you, come, when you compare him and, but, and Wilder in that fight, Wilder looks like he was sculpted from granite. And just he's yeah. exactly what you'd think a heavyweight boxer would look like. Tyson Fury looks like he's rolled up after some bare knuckle boxing fights and decided to give it a go
0: yeah and but but i think i think that's what makes it even more enjoyable of a fight watching those two fight because it is the two extremes you have a guy who's just this big house of a human but has good skill versus the guy who like you said is like a sculpted statue and just chiseled to the to the bone and just watching them just you know, like what, what matters more, you know, being the house or being the statue. Yeah. Yeah. You're pretty, you're
2: pretty right though. I mean, the guy, the guy's huge. He's got a huge amount of endurance because Wilder's, well, Fury's already come out and said it. He's got one of the hardest hits and he got floored quite a few times over these kind of three fights. Um, I think it's, it's slowly becoming harder. I just don't think he was very likable at the start. I think that kind of has hurt the argument with Fury. Like a lot of people seem to be following the Joshua progression to that feeling of inevitability of him being the best. But Fury's kind of, I don't know, not winning, not winning hearts and minds kind of behind the scenes of sorts, but he's certainly becoming more likable every fight he goes in.
1: Yeah. yeah and the tough thing I find with, right, and we've spoken about this before, what he's done for mental health awareness has been great. But then I have to try and reconcile that with the sexist and homophobic remarks that he's, he made particularly at the beginning of his career and that he's never really backed down from. He's got smart enough to stop talking about them and volunteering the information as much, but he's never come out and said, I've seen the error over my ways. And what I said before was unacceptable. He's basically accepted to say, look, look, we don't agree on these things let's not talk about them anymore instead let me use my platform to talk about something we all think is a good thing and that's a difficult one to knock in a sense because no one's perfect and at the same time if he's stopped using his platform to make negative comments then i don't know what every professional athlete thinks deep down inside of them i guess the nice thing with tyson fury is a pretty open book i know That he's a bit sexist, a bit homophobic, but very aware of people's overall mental struggles and very religious. Those are kind of the things about him, particularly the religion and the mental health aspect. Those are his defining characteristics and he's super open about it, which is also one of the other awkward things, right? The religion, very weird seeing a Like a a British boxer, particularly a white British boxer who wear so much. The religion is such a central aspect of their personality and character and how, what they speak about post fights that also makes them feel a bit different. And not that that's a bad thing that just does. It is a little unusual, but, uh, no, I think, and he doesn't get the credit he maybe deserves for how skilled he is because he looks like he doesn't train that hard. If you see what yeah. I mean, like he looks it looks like he just turned up and someone said, This is the biggest guy I've ever seen. He needs to get in a ring. Whereas in reality, he's more skilled than his opponents. And he's also bigger than them. But maybe he's done. If he fights Joshua, I think he'll just absolutely destroy him. Well, that was gonna be my next question. So
2: where does this fridge of a man go next? Because obviously the Joshua fight was um basically cancelled right because of this um mandatory uh defense which he then lost fury's been tied up in this kind of trilogy bout for the last couple of years what happens to these two fighters next well actually what happens to fury next we know what happens to joshua
1: the issue for fury is he might just have no one left to fight which happens Mm -hmm. to boxers a lot of times right so he might have just run out of viable opponents and might not feel like it's worth it to just keep going to turn up against people who aren't really worth his time if joshua goes out and beats Usyk comfortably in the rematch and then is very bold in immediately wanting a fight against fury and you know publicly makes a lot of comments about wanting it he might get fury to bite but then you also end up in this never-ending cycle right which is joshua fight Yusick. And then Fury will think that he needs a warm-up fight ahead of that fight against Joshua. And so then everything starts being delayed by a year, 18 months. And that's kind of what's happened when they've tried to fight each other in the past or supposedly tried to fight each other in the past.
0: So I think one thing, Eddie, unfortunately we need to touch on is a little college football, a big week in college football. I'll start with the less important game of, not less important, but uh, we talked, we gave a little preview about the Red River Showdown, Red River Shootout, Red River Rival, whatever you want to call it, and it lived up to its name. I watched the entire game. It was a phenomenal game. I think it was 55-48 Oklahoma ended up winning. They were down 28-7 at a point. Um, Heisman candidate Spencer Radler was benched. And they put in the true freshman who was the number one overall quarterback recruit who came in and and basically turned turned Oklahoma around and saved their season. That was a phenomenal game to watch. That was then followed up by the Penn State game, which was terrible to watch. When a team will definitely have won that game had their quarterback not gotten injured, and their backup, unfortunately, was not Caleb Williams. That was an unfortunate loss. So that's a number four team going down, but then the end of the night with Alabama, the number one team in the country going down to a Texas A&M team that against Arkansas looked like they had one of the worst offenses and, and most timid QBs I've ever seen play when they played Arkansas. It was atrocious. Somehow played the ultimate game (laughs) they could ever put together to beat Alabama. So a a big week with the four and the one going down.
1: Yeah, the Alabama one was quite painful for me. Um, didn't see it coming, have to say. I don't. I mean, it snapped a right. A, that was the first time in 101 games against unranked opposition that Alabama lost. So it was also Nick Saban's second biggest defeat from a surprise perspective in terms of how heavily favored the team he was coaching was going into the game. Uh, I have to admit when they...
0: Let me ask you this, though, before we do this. When they were down 24-10 at half, were you worried at that point?
1: Slightly. So I was worried that moment in time, I was worried. And then kind of got increasingly worried over the course of the third quarter where they didn't you always have that hope that they'll just come out and you know within 10 minutes of the third quarter the game's level or they're even winning. I was worried. Then I I have to admit when they took the lead I was okay, this is over. This is what we see. 38-31.
0: Yeah,
1: this is they what we see. In, yeah. We see this in college football. The team a team hangs in there and they kind of trade a few blows, but the moment that the superior team pulls in front, it's game over. And in particular, because Alabama have a good defense. So you didn't think that they were not only going to give up the game tying touchdown, but then also give up more points after that. But a bad performance from the Alabama quarterback nearly blew that wide open touchdown pass that gave them a lead when he still threw a fairly lame duck to a wide-open receiver and then just under-threw people all game, including on their final possession, where they did have the opportunity to drive down the field and win the game. But is what it is. Alabama will probably still win the national title, and this will just look like one of the weirdest results in the last 30, 40 years of college football.
0: I will say this leads the leaves the – playoff way up in the air now. I mean, you have right now Iowa, which I cannot believe is going to be in the top 4. You have Oklahoma probably in the top 4 now and Alabama could be looking out. I still think if they win out, they'll make it, but I don't think they can beat Georgia. If that's the team that plays Georgia, they don't lose, they don't win. And a two-loss Alabama team that would be really shitty to see them make the final four.
1: I mean, it just always raises the the same question in college football, right? Which is, what are the rankings there for? Are the rankings there to assess the four best teams? In which case, you know, I 100% agree with you. Iowa shouldn't be there. But is it there to somehow assess the performance of teams, but also reward them for wins and punish them for losing? Then... Yeah, Alabama could potentially be in trouble. Obviously this has kind of brought Ohio State back in, who now are just demolishing teams ever since that one bad defeat brings Ohio State seriously back into the running, in particular with Penn State also having lost. So
0: And Michigan undefeated now too, which is interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but we all know that will end when they play Ohio State. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. But
0: yeah, uh, yeah I, so I had this exact argument with someone after the Penn state game where, I mean, listen, I went to Penn state, but to be brutally honest, I I don't care if they win the national championship anymore. You know, I'm not there anymore. They, they took all the money, gave me my degree. I'm done with it. But when you look at that game in the first half, when Penn state had their starting quarterback, they were clearly the better team. So how can you tell me that, Iowa if you're ranking based off of how good a team is that Iowa is the better team because they they weren't I mean that first half when you had both teams have their starters out there Penn State was definitely better with I mean it was easy to see yeah so I, it's that's that's yeah. always the argument with these rankings is what are you really ranking
1: yeah and the problem with that is if they do take the approach that you're suggesting they just get themselves into trouble Because then people just accuse it of having massive SEC bias. That Alabama is just, you know, a shoe in to be in the playoffs every year, regardless of what they do in the regular season. And there's an element of saying maybe it should even be like if you were doing rankings to determine the Premier League, and you know Manchester City to lose three games in a row, but you still think, well, we have to put them in the top four. Like we all know they're one of the best four teams in the league. There's no. If if we're doing our jobs properly, then they are in the playoffs. And, yeah, it's tough. But
0: So right now, the AP Top 25 that just came out this afternoon is Georgia number one, Iowa number two, Cincinnati number three, Oklahoma number four, Alabama five, and Ohio State six.
1: And a lot of that will sort itself out, right? So – Ohio State will kind of... If Ohio State now run the table, you'd have to imagine they get in because they'd have to beat Penn State and Michigan. And Iowa. And Michigan State. The, and Michigan yeah, State, I think, Michigan. are 10th. Yeah, so like Ohio State will justify their inclusion or... And so would Iowa
0: if they went out.
1: Yeah, or exclude themselves. The tricky thing, as you touched on, is, is Alabama, which... If you think georgia are the best team in the country then alabama losing to georgia doesn't mean then alabama is not a top four team equally if alabama beats georgia then what what happens to georgia if the other teams in and around the top four put in good performances between now and then it gets tricky it's, it's just such a bad system they just and need to Cincinnati fix the system gets
0: screwed out of that either way yeah <laughs> unfortunately yeah. for them
1: you know, I feel a little bit like Joe Burrow right now. I had sushi for lunch, and your throat hurts. Yeah, I am. I'm. I'm adamant that a splinter from a chopstick, like, has been caught in the back of my throat ever since that meal. It's it's this like horrible, consistent, just feeling of something being there. But at the same time, no matter how much sort of I drink. I've been unable to dislodge it.
0: How aggressive are you using your chopsticks that you're splintering them? I, I <laughs> how got, far How far down are they going?
1: <laughs> I'm not tickling. Well, <laughs> Sam, don't get excited. Oh, I'm not. I'm curious. Well, what I actually think happened was that a piece of the splinter kind of flaked off into one of the pieces of the sushi. And so then I ate that and that's how I got there.
0: But I don't know. <laughs> That's all right, Sam. Give him two weeks, two months, and he'll be able to surgically remove it himself. He'll have trained himself with the necessary surgery. No, 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 no no
1: no, 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 no. Just give My... him two
0: months and a textbook, and he's got it.
1: <laughs> okay, out no, of front that people. Bitter. Yeah, and but Frank, we get to maybe get towards wrapping up, I suppose. But we, lucky you. Another weekend of football and another controversial offside decision, this time in the final of the Nations League. Just a glorified friendly that doesn't really need to exist. But uh, France were playing Spain, and France's winning goal looked to all the world as if it was going to be disallowed for offside, with Mbappe being clearly in front of any of the last defenders. Only for the goal to stand with the decision being made that i think it was garcia had touched the ball and that mbappe was not close enough to have influenced his either decision to try and play the ball or his inability to control the ball and so that the minute that garcia touched it mbappe was played back onside or i guess some people argue there's no such thing as onside right it's either offside or nothing but he i don't love it as a rule i think kind of fall back on the principle of if mbappe isn't interfering with play then then what's he doing on the pitch kind of argument he's undoubtedly as garcia raised to the officials he's only tried to play the ball there because he knows mbappe is behind him and so not being certain that Mbappe was offside, he has to make an attempt to intercept the pass. And so you are basically punishing him for trying to do the right thing. But yeah. It's right, but it seemed wrong.
2: Yeah. Uh, so what was it? The ref um, what was the anti Taylor. Um, he, he determined that that slight touch by Garcia constituted a new phase of play. Now, my understanding of a phase of play would be if it drastically altered what had happened. You know, so say for example, if it had like hit Garcia in the face and deflected twenty yards over to um, whoever was on the left wing for the French or something like that. The contentious issue for me though is that, if if that's the rule and that's what it looks like going forward, then how is Garcia meant to like kind of defend? Because is the logic there, like, I know he's offside, so I don't go for this ball, therefore he's offside?
1: Like, well, well, yes, that's what they are fundamentally suggesting. And that's fine, because there are moments when you would know someone is offside. And I understand why the rule exists, because it has to, you can't say as if, as a defender, you could take control of the ball, and then a player goes to tackle you after three touches, and he is then deemed to have been in an offside position. So you do have to have this concept of that you stop being offside once the opposition team has taken control. I guess, the, the, to me, the clear wording that would need to be added to this law is the control aspect. And so if a defender seemingly has possession of the ball or makes a sort of clear use of the ball, so even if he just makes a one-touch pass or hoofs the ball 30 yards forward, whatever that is then that's fine but the idea that wait, you can...
0: wait 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 real quick i'm going to just intercept what if what if in that in this exact scenario when he deflects it let's say instead of deflecting it to mbappe he deflects it way to the right to benzema who is also in an offside position like he he deflects it on the up to the other side of the pitch almost but Benzema is also offside. He hasn't had possession or control. He's just severely deflected the, the, tra- the flight and trajectory of the ball.
1: For me, I would think, and this is the problem is it becomes too subjective, but to me, it would be more, if you're assessing and thinking, this isn't what the person wanted to do, they've just stretched out a foot and something's happened. Then, The idea of control in what they do, I think, is the important thing. So if he's intentionally tried to play a pass in the direction of a player on the other side of the pitch, and he's just played a poor pass, then that's one thing. But if it is in this situation where he's literally just making a last-ditch attempt to get to the ball, he's stretched out a foot and the ball is just deflected off of it, then I don't think that should allow for every, to be considered sort of a new phase of play to have started.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. Like, he's judged it to be a new phase of play, which has obviously brought Mbappe on. It's not just a deflection, but that's the thing. Like, it's about the intent of Garcia as well. You can see what Garcia is doing. The intent isn't to, like, touch the ball to Mbappe or pass back or pass across to a defender or something like that. The The intent is clearly just to cut the ball out, which isn't a new phase of play that's defending so that's what i don't get about this like what you're saying is that defenders now have to make a split second judgment call about whether to go for the ball or not which could lead to some interesting moments in football right just watching these people like not cut it out because they'll be told to leave it because it'll be like oh don't worry about it var will take a look at it don't touch the ball don't touch the ball it will just lead to an interesting like mental dynamic that could be added. Look, it's, it's it's not going to be constant, right? It could be one a season at most.
1: Yeah. Just to be clear too, this isn't a new thing. And we have seen other instances of it. So it's not as if now something is going to change because of the incident that happened on Sunday, but it just doesn't seem like a sensible interpretation of clearly the law will have been put in place to avoid the idea that a defender can take a touch and that he can't be tackled in that in the meantime, or that they get some sort of f- free opportunity to play a pass. You can see why it's been created, but at the same time, the intent cannot have been to have the goal that was scored on Sunday stand. It just can't have been. I don't believe it.
0: I, I just want to clarify, too, It went to VAR. So who made that decision then in the VAR? Is that still the ref on the field, on the pitch, or is that then the VAR booth?
1: So it was the fourth official, or fifth official, I guess they technically are, the VAR people, who made the decision on the offside. I think there was a conversation between them and the referee on the pitch as to discussing the, the touch that had been made. But offside is a decision that gets made by the VAR booth team. Yeah, So yeah, it's, it's not, not just like one there's... person's
0: opinion. It would have there's always a collective a couple. opinion of a few.
1: There's a couple of people looking at the angles and coming up with them. However, there is a person responsible for taking the sort of final decision or suggestion that then gets relayed to the yeah. people on the pitch. I, I, I guess
0: where I'm going with it is is, is, is that just one person's interpretation where someone else would have maybe ruled that differently or because there were so many people involved, that was like a consensus ruling? No. That several, several refs would have ruled that the same. Thus, that's why it was ruled the way it was.
1: I think that's what they would be trying to assess, but no, it is a person's interpretation of, of that law. And it's entirely possible that ex- exactly the same incident could happen next week and that the other interpretation will have been made that either Mbappe was close enough to be interfering with Garcia or influencing Garcia, and so therefore he is still offside. It was a good match, though, I will say. It was a pretty good match. It just it, The tournament as a whole does not need to exist. We don't need the Nations League. I get that they're trying to remove pointless friendlies, but we don't need them. Did you see Courtois
2: came out and said basically that all it is for UEFA is about the money. It's not about the players. Obviously referring to the fact that...
1: Courtois is going to be careful though. Courtois has a big mouth whenever he loses. You know, he did the same thing when Belgium lost to the France in the semifinals of the World Cup. And then he had a lot to say about how negative their tactics were and how Belgium were the better team. You don't want to build the reputation as the person who is critical of the tournament or the opposition when you've lost. And Courtois is kind of leaning that way. I bet you if Belgium had won the Nations League, he would have said, oh, this is so nice as a country to get to win something, and we've made everyone back home so happy. I want to hear now French players come out and say, we don't need this. There, even a Spanish player, I guess I could take. But Belgium blowing blowing it against France and then saying and then being made to play the even more meaningless third place playoff
0: kind of going off of the nations league not being necessary I thought I read maybe a few weeks ago that there's a greater push now for a world cup every 2 years instead of 4 what do we what do we feel about that
2: I think it benefits everyone that's not UEFA <laughs>
0: I, I think See, I think it benefits. Euros. I thought it benefits everyone who isn't involved in the Euros, because I feel like the Euros is still well respected enough, but nations that aren't in Europe suffer.
2: Yeah, that was uh, that was the point. Yeah, I think that well, that's my point anyway. Is that the the teams outside of Europe don't compete in the Euros, and the Euros is probably the well is the most prestigious. Um, kind of continental competition.
1: Might be doing a slight disservice to the Copa America, which, whilst it doesn't have the strength of depth that the Euros has, in part because the continent's not as big in terms of number of countries, I think, you know, it has a very passionate support on the continent, and there are, you know, four or five good South American teams at any one time. So it definitely... Aside from South America and Europe, it definitely is more interesting to everyone outside of that, because let's face it, the gold cup is not getting the USA worked up into you know a fervor, nor is it helping the US to become that much better either. So as a developing country outside of either South America or Europe, your argument would also be your opportunity to play good teams is fairly limited. And that a world cup every two years would give you greater exposure and experience. But I don't like it because I think it just removes the same way. I wouldn't want the Olympics every two years. And I don't care that much about the Olympics, but part of what makes it a special experience is that it doesn't happen that frequently. And that four years feels like a long time. Like it now feels like it's going to be a long time until the next Olympic games or the next euros. Whereas if I thought, wow, it's, basically next summer now it doesn't seem i think i i I wouldn't enjoy it as much
0: yeah that's what i was gonna say too is does it take away from the prestige a little bit if you just have it every other year because i think the slippery slope is if you do it every other year you're five years down the line from just doing it every year at that point because then the argument is why do it every other just just do it every year it's only one more year what's the difference so I think that's going to be the... Sl- I, if they go to two, they'll go to one fi- within five to 10 years.
1: But I mean, the big supporter of this, right, is Arsene Wenger. He is the uh, the one pushing forward the idea. So... But no, I, I wouldn't be in favor of it. And I wouldn't be in favor of it as a player because I just feel like you need summers where you don't have as much to do you need the summer off and then if you start having world cups every two summers i mean i'm sure they would still create they would still keep some kind of european tournament even if it wasn't on the scale of the euros so even if that means maybe every sort of not in between every world cup but between every other world cup something happens in the summer anyway, i don't know it just it doesn't make sense to me also logistically you know, a lot of preparation goes into hosting the World Cup. So either they're going to only favor nations with an existing infrastructure that allows them to have a tournament of that size, or they're going to do something dumb like the Euros tried to do, which was semi-ruined by the pandemic, but also just semi-ruined by not being the greatest concept of having it spread across wide regions. Or you're going to put a lot of pressure on team on countries to start churning out world cup level stadiums for countries that don't need them
2: or just getting a lot more slave labor like qatar and just making that like a world cup slave labor force that just kind of goes around the world after every world cup and starts building in the next country
1: i was wondering where you were going there for a second but yeah it's not a bad idea
0: nothing like a little bit of live news that won't be anywhere near live and the Colts just scored a 75 yard touchdown to go up 7 0 in Monday Night Football. <laughs> well,
2: Ravens win. <laughs> Look what you did to the Steelers, right? <laughs>
1: no. Yeah, we're gonna have to don't even get me
0: started on the Steelers because that was my only loss yesterday.
1: <laughs> well, we can talk about that on Thursday because. And also, you made me talk about Alabama, so don't even start. <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, it's too raw, Eddie. I'm not talking about it. (laughs) All right. Well, I guess that wraps up today. But stay tuned because we will have our big Ted Lasso season two finale review. I am ready to talk Ted Lasso.
2: Oh, you've given away the the hint was going to be 66% of us have watched it, (laughs) but you've now (laughs) confirmed yourself.